Try Therapy Notes, the number one rated electronic health record system available today. With live telephone support seven days a week, it's clear why Therapy Notes is rated 4.9 out of 5 stars on Trustpilot and has a 5-star rating on Google. Therapy Notes makes billing, scheduling, note-taking, and telehealth incredibly easy. And now for all you prescribers out there, Therapy Notes is proudly introducing ePrescribe. Try it today with no strings attached and see why everyone is switching to Therapy Notes, now featuring ePrescribe. You can get two months free by using promo code CHAT at therapynotes.com. Trauma Therapist Network is a website to learn about trauma and how it shows up in our lives and to find a trauma therapist. Go to traumatherapistnetwork.com to find a trauma therapist near you today. Therapy Chat Podcast, Episode 364. This is the Therapy Chat Podcast with Laura Reagan, LCSWC. The information shared in this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health professional. And now, here's your host, Laura Reagan, LCSWC. This week's episode is sponsored by Therapy Notes, the number one rated electronic health record system available today. With live telephone support seven days a week, it's clear why Therapy Notes is rated 4.9 out of 5 stars on Trustpilot and has a 5-star rating on Google. Therapy Notes makes billing, scheduling, note-taking, and telehealth incredibly easy. And now, for all you prescribers out there... Therapy Notes is proudly introducing ePrescribe. Use coupon code CHAT or click the link in the show notes to get two free months at therapynotes.com. Want to trade five days in chilly February to learn and play in Cancun? Then register for Innovations in Psychotherapy 2023 by Leading Edge Seminars and use code LAURA to save 10% on any five-day workshop fee when purchased with a room at leadingedgecancun.com. You'll earn CEs in the morning, then have afternoons for fun at an all-inclusive resort. Workshops by Frank Anderson, Ariel Schwartz, John Briere, and more. Register today for 10% off workshop fees when purchased with a room using code LAURA at leadingedgecancun.com. Hi, welcome back to Therapy Chat. I'm your host, Laura Reagan, and Happy New Year. If you're listening to this when it first comes out, it's January 2023. We made it. And that's all I got to say about it. I hope you're doing well. I have pretty much recovered from COVID. I think my second bout was not as taxing on my body and brain as the first round when I had the Delta variant in 2021. So I'm very thankful for that. I think today's episode is pretty fitting for the new year. It's a new time that we're living in and things are changing rapidly. Certainly in the mental health field, things are changing very rapidly. And one of the positive changes that's happening in our field right now, I think, is a trend towards more humanistic therapy approaches. Therapists are beginning to understand that showing ourselves as human is a way of destigmatizing mental health treatment and depathologizing mental health disorders. 
everyone suffers with anxiety, depression at times. Anxiety, sadness, fear, anger. Emotions are part of being human. And I personally think that it is our suppression and repression of emotions in Western culture that leads to much of what creates mental health disorders, including trauma, which to me is at the root of almost all mental health issues. And when I say trauma, I'm always talking about attachment wounds too. Attachment wounds are traumatic as well. So this week's episode is really focused on destigmatizing mental health and mental health treatment. My guest today is Dr. Jamie Marich. Dr. Jamie Marich uses she, they pronouns, describing themselves as a facilitator of transformative experiences, a clinical trauma specialist, expressive artist, writer, yogini, performer, short filmmaker, Reiki master, TEDx speaker, and recovery advocate. She unites all of these elements in her mission to inspire healing in others. Jamie is a woman in long-term recovery from an addictive disorder and is living loudly and proudly as a woman with a dissociative disorder with the goal of smashing stigma about dissociation in the mental health field and in society at large. Jamie began her career as a humanitarian aid worker in Bosnia-Herzegovina from 2000 to 2003, primarily teaching English and music. Jamie travels internationally teaching on topics related to trauma, EMDR therapy, expressive arts, mindfulness, and yoga, while maintaining a private practice and online education operations in her home base of Northeast Ohio. Jamie is the founder of the Institute for Creative Mindfulness and the developer of the Dancing Mindfulness Approach to Expressive Arts Therapy. She's the developer of Yoga for Clinicians, the author of EMDR Made Simple, Four Approaches for Using EMDR with Every Client, which came out in 2011, Trauma and the 12 Steps, A Complete Guide to Enhancing Recovery, which was in 2012, Creative Mindfulness, which came out in 2013, Trauma Made Simple, Competencies in Assessment, Treatment, and Working with Survivors, which came out in 2014, Dancing Mindfulness, A Creative Path to Healing and Transformation, which came out in 2015, and Process Not Perfection, Expressive Art Solutions for Trauma Recovery, which came out in 2019. I'm going to put links to all of those books in the show notes. Jamie also co-authored EMDR Therapy and Mindfulness for Trauma-Focused Care, along with colleague Dr. Stephen Danziger in 2018, and their second book with Springer Publishing, Healing Addiction with EMDR Therapy, a Trauma-Focused Guide, was published in 2021. There are several other books and articles that you can get from Jamie's website, and she has been honored by the Association of Lesbian, Gay, Bisexual, Transgender Addiction Professionals and their allies awarding Jamie their esteemed President's Award in 2015 for her work as an LGBT advocate. And EMDRIA, the EMDR International Association, granted Jamie the 2019 Advocacy and EMDR Award for her using her public platform in the media and in the addiction field to advance awareness about EMDR therapy and to reduce stigma around mental health. So we're not going to be talking a lot about EMDR today, so just want to get that out of the way because what we were focusing on is Jamie's new book, Dissociation Made Simple, and her experiences and her conversations with other therapists who have lived experience with dissociative disorders. We had a fascinating conversation 
And I found her book to be mind-blowing, mainly because it just speaks so openly about dissociation in ways that I just haven't seen. Jamie identifies as being part of a dissociative system. And in our conversation, you will hear us speaking about reconceptualizing what trauma is, understanding the spectrum of dissociative disorders, bias and misinformation that therapists have about dissociative identity, DID, dissociative identity disorder in particular, and how the intersectionality of oppression plays into trauma work and the stigma about dissociative disorders, assessing dissociation, how the book can be helpful, speaking truth to systems, Pierre Genet and Sigmund Freud, and much more. So I hope you will sit down with an open mind and listen to our conversation and be curious. Before we dive into listening to my conversation with Dr. Jamie Marich, I wanted to mention just a few things. One is that is coming up very soon, starting January 16th, 2023. Irene Nino Nuevo is doing a summit called Love After Abuse. And I did an interview with her for that summit. I don't know what day it'll be coming out yet, but there's a link in the show notes that you can sign up for free. And I'm excited about that. We had a great talk. Later that day, I found out I had COVID. <laughs> I was super worn out when we were done. So if I seem a little peaked, that's why. But obviously, that's a topic that I care very much about. And my talk was called The Secret to Fulfilling Relationships is Inside of You. And I shared one technique that I use with almost every client I work with as a therapist and also, you can sign up for my email list and get a free download with mistakes that people make when searching for a trauma therapist and some resources to help. So wanted you to know about that. Another thing is I just wanted to remind you about the training coming up in Cancun with Innovations in Psychotherapy. I'll be there next month in Cancun. I just can't wait. There are actually three separate weeks with two speakers each week. So you can choose from six different programs. I, I am so excited about that. In fact, one of the speakers is going to be our guest next week, Dr. John Briere, who is a specialist in complex trauma and also mindfulness. And he talks about the importance of being mindfully attuned to ourselves and our clients in therapy and how, how to do it. Also, I wanted to be sure that you don't miss out if you are interested in changing your relationship to money from an embodied perspective. My friend and coach, Carrie Nola, has the Abundance Activator membership community, and she also is doing Activator Live in San Diego, and that's in February as well. So I will put a link to that in the show notes so you can learn more if you're interested in either joining Carrie's membership or attending her Activator Live event in San Diego, which I would go to if I were not going to be in Cancun. And you can also hear more from Carrie when you listen to our conversation that's coming up later this month. Lots of interesting, inspiring conversations. 
ahead on Therapy Chat, and I'm so glad that you are a part of my community. Thank you. Oh, lastly, I just wanted to say thank you to everyone who has been spreading the word about Trauma Therapist Network. Thank you for everyone who was getting emails about it. We just closed the doors on Trauma Therapist Network membership on January 1st. I'm so excited that we've welcomed a number of new members into our community. And some of them even came to the last two meetings in December, which was really fun. By the way, we had our solstice retreat for self-care on on the 21st of December, and it was so beautiful. I'm going to be doing more offerings like that, and I may even open them up to people who aren't members of Trauma Therapist Network. If you have any interest in that, let me know. Send me an email at laura at traumatherapistnetwork.com. I'd love to hear from you, or you can send me a speak pipe message. All right, let's get into my conversation with Dr. Jamie Marich on this fascinating subject of dissociation, the prevalence of dissociative disorders in our culture and in the world, in the human experience, and in therapists as well. I'd love to know what you think. Thank you for listening. Hi, welcome back to Therapy Chat. I'm your host, Laura Reagan, and today I'm so honored to be speaking with Dr. Jamie Marich, who is a, an extremely accomplished person with so many amazing things that she does, and I will let her tell you about them, but I'm really excited to be talking with you, Jamie. Thank you for being my guest on Therapy Chat today. I'm very happy to be your guest, Laura. Thank you. And I'm excited to talk about your newest book, Association Made Simple, and all of the other amazing things you do in the world of EMDR, addiction, expressive arts. So let's just start off by you telling our audience a little more about who you are and what you do. Sure. So I'm Jamie. I use she, they pronouns. I, as Dr. Jamie, because that's part of my heart's discourse is kind of this Dr. Jamie and there's Jamie and Jamie very much informs Dr. Jamie's experience. Yet the Dr. Jamie, a lot of people know about, I've written many books. I'm an EMDR therapy trainer, pretty well known in the EMDR community. I have three EMDR books. I've have two books in expressive arts therapy, and I've done a lot of contributions in the field of expressive arts. And I'm also pretty well known for a book called Trauma and the 12 Steps. I'm an individual in long-term recovery from an addictive disorder. And as somebody who is really about trauma informing our field, I've had a lot of passion and interest in trauma informing a lot of how we do addiction care and 12-step work. Yeah, I run a company called the Institute for Creative Mindfulness. We do training in EMDR therapy and expressive arts therapy. Yet, I, I think what I want listeners to most know is even though I have these seemingly impressive professional credentials, Jamie is a person who just has a lot of lived experience in this area that we talk about. I, in addition to being in recovery from the addictive disorder, I'm also a person living with a dissociative system in long-term recovery from a dissociative disorder. You will often hear me refer to myself as we pronouns, because even though, and the Dr. Jamie, Jamie adult you're hearing is upfront driving this bus. I have three very pronounced and active parts who are with me at all times. And there are also many other aspects of myself that I, I bring into this lived experience. And in the past several years, especially of my work, and this has largely come from the privilege of being more established and more well-known, I have been openly speaking out about my diagnosis with 
kind of unapologetic candor because for a lot of years, people would ask me if I would train on dissociative disorders because I seem to know a lot about dissociation and consultation. And I knew I couldn't do it until I felt comfortable being this open and this out. Really anything around removing, smashing, destroying stigma is something I'm really here for in, in the modern therapy world and why it becomes so important, especially when we discuss dissociation and dissociative disorders, is there is still so much stigma in our field amongst behavioral health professionals about the true nature of dissociation and people with dissociative experiences. Yes. And thank you for that. Thank you so much for what you're doing to really, I think, smash stigma and internalize stigma that we mental health professionals tend to carry where we feel that we're supposed to hide any part of ourselves that doesn't mesh with the the professional Dr. Jamie or the professional Laura LCSWC. What we're supposed to be, how we're supposed to present ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I felt when I started reading your book, me not having as much of an awareness of all of the work that you've been doing before I found out about that book, because I don't work in addictions and I don't work, I don't use EMDR. I probably would have Mm -hmm. learned about you much sooner. But as I was reading the book and I saw how you share your living with a dissociative disorder and, you know, I'm a trauma survivor and I have many parts of myself that I'm not really comfortable with everybody knowing about. And the more I accept myself as I am, the more comfortable I am showing up as fully myself. But, you know, I don't think that this is common for those of us in the mental health field to say, I have a dissociative disorder. And that makes me not only are you qualified because of your professional experience and credentials, but and your training and all of the everything you bring, but the lived experience makes you credible too, instead of being a deficit. And I think that's something that in our field, I'm beginning to see that happening more and more, but it's really important. I think it is. One of the latest pieces of literature I read on it with a national survey, at least in the U.S., that's something like 48% of people practicing clinically in behavioral health right now have have or have had some type of mental health diagnosis. And that is commensurate or proportional with the general population. Mm -hmm. And so many of us in our training, for a variety of reasons that I posit in the book, are told to hold it in, are told it to put it together. And yes, when we're working with clients, I do think there is a level of ethics and boundaries that we have to look at. For instance, when is it appropriate to share something with a client? When is it not? How do we keep ourselves from a state of being non-impaired when when working with clients or in, in a place where we are truly present for our clients? Yet the reality that I've encountered is so many folks practicing in behavioral health are dealing with a plethora of life struggles or their own diagnoses, even as they're holding it together to be there for their clients. And we don't have enough open discourse about that because people are so ashamed of what others will think. There's fear about losing a license. And I get into some of that in the new book. So there is that issue about how we show up with clients. Yet what I really want us to blow the door open on is we as professionals need to be more candid having these conversations with each other because I still see so much of this Hold it together. Don't let people know how human you are. Be accomplished. Be this, be that. And that really, hmm, you know, I I get, you could probably tell I'm even getting upset about that because that creates more of an us versus them mentality that we as professionals are somehow supposed to be a cut above or better. And 
then there's the issue that I really believe what I've been through in my lived experience, especially because I've been able to unpack it and integrate it into my other life experiences, has made me a better therapist. I share consistently, even though I had good EMDR training, probably my best EMDR trainer was my first EMDR therapist mm -hmm. because I had such an amazing experience going through that therapy with somebody who really knew what they were doing. And even as I practice EMDR now, teach EMDR, so many of those moments that I'm able to draw from are moments of when I have been the client sitting in that chair. Not to mention the lived experience I bring from navigating a world that does fundamentally feel very unsafe and dangerous to someone like me who is queer, who is different in how my mind works, who is a woman. And you know, I just have a lot I bring to the table, not because of what I've studied, but because of how I've navigated this thing. Yeah. And I will say this could be too much of an overgeneralization, but I would say that the better we're able to hold it together, the more it indicates how much we are actually really defended from our own we're painful experiences. We're dissociated from it. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And, and so to that point, much of what I get into in the book is be careful of how you talk smack about dissociation because you're probably doing it. That dissociation is a normal part of the human experience. It is there as a very natural protection or way to get our needs met that we all have inherent in us as a response to stress, trauma, et cetera, et cetera. And something I really explore is dissociation means a lot of things. That's one of the reasons it is a tricky word in, in as a psychological construct. And dissociation is often leveraged by our, for example, our field, like dissociate your professional self from your personal self. And like I would argue for me, in some ways that could be adaptive, like Jamie can be having an absolute horrible week or horrible day. And I do have enough experience of, okay, you know, I'm going to put that aside and really let Dr. Jamie drive the, sh the ship here so I can get it done. But the difference is I don't forget that Jamie's there. I'm still listening to her. I'm still hearing her and I'm attending to her needs after I kind of drop the Dr. Jamie role. What I see as more problematic or maladaptive dissociation is when folks just keep the two separated mm -hmm. and there's not a lot of communication, if any at all, between our professional <laughs> hold it together self and the real world of experience that lives within us. Right. Because even even the way that I know I've been talking about trauma and dissociation, the way I've talked about it is limited in a lot of ways because I used to say, hey, you know, when you're working with clients and you think you don't work with trauma survivors, but you know, <laughs> most people who come into our practices do have trauma and attachment wounds that are really underlying whatever symptom is bringing them in. And dissociation is why they don't see it and we don't see it, right? Yep. But with that, it's like there's the one of the limitations of that is that there's new traumas happening to all of us regularly, you know, and I know that it's, you know, there's childhood trauma where you're powerless and, you know, you depend on someone else to help you. And if no one's there, that is one of the reasons why it becomes so traumatic. But you know, there have been politically traumatic things that have been happening, you know, major violence in our politics that is it. Yes, it's activating past trauma, but also it can be a current trauma, too. So who mm -hmm. in this world could actually say that they haven't experienced any trauma or that they won't? It's not a it's not like, a oh, if you're lucky, you'll never have this. 
it's just a part of the human experience. And part of how I teach it in my EMDR discourse and other work that I do on trauma is we also have to break the association culturally that trauma is just post-traumatic stress disorder. Mm-hmm. People still have associations that post-traumatic stress disorder is just like what veterans experience. And this is not to impugn or belittle veterans in any way. Yet I remember when my first recovery sponsor was talking to me about trauma and she, you know, pegged me as hey, you you're a trauma survivor. And I'm like, oh come on, you know, I didn't go to war or anything like that. And she said, Jamie, the war zone was your bedroom. It was your house. It was everything you were exposed to. And then it really dawned on me, wow, it it we we suffer but in different ways. And as I studied things more academically, I became really moved by the word origin of the English word trauma is wound. It mm. comes from the Greek word meaning wound. And if people can't, you know, face or own or admit or accept the word trauma, I will ask, have you been wounded? Has life wounded you in any way? Has a person wounded you in any way? Has an experience wounded you in any way? And if so, everything we're talking about qualifies here. Exactly. I want to really emphasize something here or amplify something that you said, too, that PTSD diagnosis just indicates that your symptoms are a certain level of acuity, Mm -hmm. you know, that you meet a certain threshold on a questionnaire. So if you're two points below that, it doesn't mean you don't have trauma. You know, exactly. Yeah. Even if you don't meet the the whole and the PTSD diagnosis itself is pretty Mm -hmm. flawed in that it is very event centric. It is very well, this one qualifying thing happened to you. And then all these symptoms result very specific to that qualifying thing. And so there is wider discourse now about the reality of complex post-traumatic stress disorder or trauma that's more developmental in nature, still not fully recognized at the level of the DSM. Although the ICD-11 has given complex post-traumatic stress disorder more of a recognition and something that I'm I'm happy that we're featuring in Dissociation Made Simple. So the book, which is coming out in January, looks at interviews from 61 people that I did. People who came forward when I put out there that I was doing this book, who wanted to talk to me about their experiences with dissociation. So of those 61, only 19 have DID. Several more have other dissociative disorders, like I have OSDD or otherwise specified dissociative disorder. But most of our contributors are people who identify as having complex PTSD or some other diagnosis, yet they're clearly able to recognize where dissociation is a thread in how that diagnosis has affected them or has shown up in the world. So I'm just glad that any conversation can be had, and I hope we we continue to have it expanding the definition of trauma, expanding our discourse of what trauma is, what it means how it affects us individually, and in turn, then how that would affect us societally and how societal trauma affects us individually. Yes. And I think what you are doing with your book, which, as I mentioned to you, I haven't read all of it yet, but when I, just from starting it, honestly, just reading the introduction and the first chapter, I was like, wow, I was really blown away. So, I mean, it was just so much richer than I expected. I don't know why. It has nothing to do with you, just like, I was like, oh, wow. Okay. Yes. So Mm -hmm. I just want you to know that. (laughs) 
Thank you. And I'm I'm very excited to read more. But even, you know, you have to pace it because as you mm-hmm. read, oh, yeah. you're for me, I'm, you know, I'm thinking about myself. Yeah. I'm thinking about my clients. You know, it's and I'm glad you said that as I do want people to pace it. I, yeah. I want you to do the contemplations, the exercises that that I give throughout. Don't let it be something you just read academically. Yet I think to truly internalize the content, you do need to pace it. Yeah. One thought I had is a little bit out of order from what we were talking about before, but one thought I had is that in the neurodivergence movement Mm -hmm. and the trans movements and non-binary, you know, the Mm -hmm. it's overall LGBTQ Mm -hmm. expression of being more open with this. I have lived experience in this and I work with people who have this Mm -hmm. and dissociation hasn't been in that. And, you know, what do you want to say? Yes, you're you're exactly right. And, And I could give you a little bit of perspective in that you know, I'm a bisexual woman. I'm a woman in long-term addiction recovery. And I will say coming out about both of those things with other professionals felt a lot less threatening than coming out about the fact that I had a dissociative disorder. That was the scariest coming out for sure. Mm-hmm. And I do think a lot of that is, you know, within the field, we deal with two horrible extremes of misinformation and bias. On one extreme, it's that it doesn't exist. It's not a real thing. Dissociative yep. disorder, still especially people dissociative who think identity that that's disorder. Not real. You know, are the not real? It's incredibly rare if it is, and people who say they have it are just faking it. That's one extreme. Mm-hmm. And then the other extreme of bias is people with DID are violent, which a lot of media portrayal of DID promotes, are unhinged, unstable, could never possibly hope to live a meaningful life. And to quote Jamie Pollack, who wrote the foreword of the book, she's a friend of mine, also contributed to the book, woman with DID who is an advocate. And she said, I think people would be shocked to learn how routine my life really is, Uh especially when you learn about your system and how to navigate the world with them. It it really becomes no big deal. (laughs) It's like having maybe Mm -hmm. any other mental health diagnosis. I, I see how I am and how my mind works as an asset, honestly, more more than a deficit at this point. Yet to talk about it amongst other professionals is still very scary because you don't know who you're talking to and what their biases are. And so a lot of my message is until more people like me start to come out, Mm -hmm. those biases are going to persist. Yet I appreciate and can empathize with how scary that can feel, especially if you are a new professional. I mentioned at the beginning of this interview, one of the reasons I can be out this publicly is I've, I've been doing this field now over 15 years. I'm very well established. I'm not afraid of anybody coming after me or really losing anything. Earlier in my career, it, it felt a lot scarier to be this honest. And even in 2011, when I first mentioned, this was in my first book, that I, I, I said I struggled with dissociative issues or something more cryptic. It, it was still like, okay, I'm dipping my toe in. I'm dipping my toe in. And coming out was a very gradual process for me. Yeah. Thank you for sharing about your experience. And I will say too, like, it's a lot easier to say as a mental health professional, it's a lot more normal, acceptable in our field to say, I had an eating disorder. I had Mm. an addiction or I had, I was raped in the past, Mm -hmm. but I've overcome it. And now I can overcome it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's like that. And and it's like, it's not just in our field. It's this mentality in our culture of like, right. Don't have a problem. Mm -hmm. 
And that's one thing I really owe to 12-step recovery. I mean, I often say I'm 12-step recovery's biggest fan and greatest critic because a lot of my trauma in the 12-step work unpacks what I don't like about Mm. 12-step recovery. Yet being that I got sober that way and my early recovery exposure was that way, I like that they gave me this idea that I'm I'm always recovering. (laughs) I may have reached some kind of benchmark of healing that I wanted to reach. But I have personally benefited from seeing myself as someone who hasn't arrived, who's who's always learning, who's always growing. And the reality is, even if I had had perfect therapy to do perfect healing, life still happens. And you mentioned, and I'm glad you drew attention to the political upheaval in this country and how that is rife with triggers Mm-hmm. especially for people who are marginalized. Absolutely. I mean, this is one of those, sorry, not sorry. I'm sure I'm going to step on the toes of some people's beliefs, but I stopped caring a long time ago. You can when, bring- Ro- when you know, the Dobbs decision came down earlier this year and Roe versus Wade was overturned, I was a puddle of mess on the ground. Mm-hmm. Just feeling once again, I am unsafe as a woman. Mm-hmm. I am yeah. a second class citizen in, in this country. And this is somebody who's had a hell of a lot of trauma therapy. And something like that still hit me. So we're living in the soup of trauma. Yeah. So even if I I don't think any of us can say, oh, I'm 100% healed and now I could help you. And I always say, if you hear somebody who's promising that. Red flag. Be skeptical. Yeah. 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 Running a group private practice has been a challenging and rewarding experience. And one thing that has made it so much easier is Therapy Notes. Therapy Notes makes billing, scheduling, note-taking, and telehealth incredibly easy. If you're coming from another EHR, like I did, Therapy Notes makes the transition incredibly easy, importing your demographic data free of charge so you can get going right away. My team has found Therapy Notes very easy to learn. It's intuitive. The customer support is second to none. And that's one of the things that has kept me a Therapy Notes customer for several years now. Anytime I've needed to contact Therapy Notes for help with an issue I couldn't figure out on my own, I've been able to get through to someone and resolve the issue within 15 minutes, 99% of the time. Find out what more than 100,000 mental health professionals already know. Try Therapy Notes for two months absolutely free. Just click on the link in the show notes or enter the promo code chat at TherapyNotes.com. Thank you to Leading Edge Seminars for sponsoring this week's episode. If you're ready to get away this winter, register now for Innovations in Psychotherapy Cancun 2023 and use promo code LAURA for 10% off any five-day workshop fee when you purchase with a room at leadingedgecancun.com. At this unique learning and vacation experience, you'll gain new skills and tools and earn CEs in the morning, then have afternoons at leisure in an all-inclusive luxury resort. Imagine this, morning coffee on your private balcony, breakfast overlooking the ocean, training until lunch with one of today's leading clinicians like Frank Anderson, Ariel Schwartz, John Briere, and more, then fun all afternoon in a tropical paradise. Sounds good, right? Learn more at leadingedgecancun.com and register today for 10% off your workshop fee when you purchase with a room using promo code Laura. I'll see you there. Well, I, I agree with you, Anna, you know, about the, that decision that was a black mm-hmm. cloud 
over my Mm -hmm. life, all of my clients' lives in one way or another, because Mm -hmm. it's about autonomy and being able to, as a human, make your own choices about your life. And that's the whole oppressive nature of the patriarchy, which I always say, and that might step on toes too, but it's like, it's about marginalizing anyone who doesn't fit one ideal that is basically a white fundamentalist Christian male in our culture, hyper-masculinity, you know, mm-hmm. women are submissive and and all other bodies are for conquest only, you know? I'm right there with you. And yeah. I believe trauma-informed therapists who are serious about doing good trauma-informed care, trauma dissociation-informed care must be aware of this, must do their own work in this area and realize that, you know, oh, it's not just politics that's bought. No, it it, it is very core to the trauma narrative, the trauma wounding of so many people who are on any kind of downside of power. Right. So in the, and with racism, in the political violence that's been very anti-Black, you know, Islamophobia that's been rampant Mm -hmm. for the past 20 years, more so. Yep. Mm -hmm. All the xenophobia that we have in our culture, despite supposedly being this melting pot, we only want people to assimilate and fit one, one standard. And I think it's kind of hard to know, like, what's what's being triggered, like Dobbs decision. I'm triggered because I'm female and I'm seen as a second class citizen. Or are you being traumatized by realizing that that's yeah. the way these laws are designed? I think it's both. It's yeah. it's it's a trigger of old messaging and it's a new trauma on top of that. Mm-hmm in in the context of of larger systemic trauma right and all these all these policies that relate to taking away people's human legal protection for their human rights you can't take away someone's human rights because they are their rights but Mm -hmm. to to create legal policies and take away legal policies that protect people's autonomy and and choice over their own lives you know like being able to get married if you're gay Mm -hmm. or bi or you know, surgeries for trans people, all of these things. It's just so obviously I care very much about that. And I'm getting a little off off track. But yeah, I think that I I, I'm glad we're going here. You know, I don't think it's off track at all. This is another area where I don't think we as therapists Mm -hmm. discuss this enough as oppression issues Mm -hmm. that are core to trauma focusing care. You know, and I'm from Ohio. I grew up very conservative in Ohio until recently. It was a very much a swing state. It's gone very red in the last several elections. And I will say as a therapist who not only practices in Ohio, but runs a training business that was originally based in Ohio, I did a lot of stepping on toes, realizing that there are a lot of therapists out there who believe differently than this. And I mean, I I want to be open to honoring and acknowledging different life experience, different religious backgrounds, et cetera, et cetera. Yet some of these things are just so non-negotiable to me if you are working in this field, Mm -hmm. like reproductive justice, um, being a voice for the oppressed, especially, and this is where I really admire the social work community, even more than counselors and psychologists, that this, this is just core to who we are as a profession. And we, we need to be having these conversations very out loud. And 
you know, the more I've seen this political mess sweep in the last six, seven years, I've stopped caring about offending people. I've stopped caring about stepping on toes, even amongst other therapists that we have to go here. So I'm glad we're going here in this conversation. Well, thank you. And actually, you know, there's how I show up in my life. And if I'm around other therapists, and then honestly, sometimes I hold back a little bit here because I have a bigger platform than if I'm just talking with, you know, someone one-on-one or in a small group where I kind of know that it's safe for me to discuss certain things. But that's such a parallel to, again, showing up as a queer woman with a dissociative disorder who's in recovery from substance abuse and saying, you know, here I am and I have a lot to offer and which you have a lot to offer. I have a lot to offer. And the more we allow our full expression of ourselves with professionalism. But, you know, and I say professionalism because like you're not sitting and crying on your client's lap saying I have these problems. But yeah, correct. Correct. But within, you know, you being you, me, all of us being stable in where we are in our work with our clients being centered Mm -hmm. and attuning to our own reality and the clients. That's what it's all about. Right there with you. It's very well expressed. Thank you. Well, let's take a few minutes and talk about a little more about the book, because I'd like people to, I feel like I'm always shouting from the mountaintops, you know, from the rooftops, hey, dissociation is real. Hey, you need to know how to assess for it. You need to, Mm -hmm. you know, don't assume you're seeing the whole picture. And that doesn't mean that the client's not being honest, but like know how to sense and, you know, assess accurately what is happening in your work with clients. So how is this book intended to be used? Who's it for? How will it help? Sure. (laughs) So I actually wrote it with probably the broader general public audience in mind, knowing that because I have a following with a lot of therapists, a lot of therapists would read it. Most of the books I've written before have primarily been targeted at other therapists to, to do better clinical work. Yet I really wanted this book to be something that anybody who has heard the word dissociation and wondering if it applies to them could pick up and get enough of the fundamentals. So I do write with enough of a therapist's voice. And that's something I even talk about in the beginning that, yeah, you're going to hear from both Dr. Jamie and Jamie in this book. Yet we've deliberately made a decision to let Jamie take more of the lead. And so Even at the end, I have two appendices in the book to professionals and to family members and support of others. My intention is that they read through the book for themselves first, because so much of the voice the the book takes is normalizing dissociation's role in the human experience. And so I think anybody can benefit from it. And I've tried to write, you know, write it in as accessible language as possible. And then in the appendices, challenging professionals, giving professionals a little more specific information on how they can take this information and apply it for themselves in their professional roles. That's wonderful. And the you mentioned you have 61 stories, would you say, or contributors? Contributors is what I call them. Yeah, folks, folks who came forward. Some are people I invited because I knew they had some things that would be worth sharing. So former students, former people I know just in the DID community. I also specifically asked for other professionals in my EMDR network, whose work I know and trust very much, and and not just work I trust very much, but who they are as people I trust very much. And 
that's why I wanted them for this book. And then I also did an open call in my social media networks. I had some of my other professional colleagues reach out in their networks to see who might want to contribute. And we actually had a lot more than 61 people come forward, but then I gave, you know, informed consent about what the project was about. And at, at the, at the end of the day, we had 61 stories, 61 interviews. And I essentially asked everybody the same questions. So having a background as a phenomenological or researcher of lived experience, I used a bit more of a structured system and how I asked the questions. And the thing I liked about that is it kept the, sh the sharing from getting too boiled down in trauma narrative and more about what it's like living with this. And the interviews, the conversations, kind of like a podcast interview, went in a bunch of different places. And from there, I, I went through what was given and really worked out different themes and ideas based on what was presented. And so what you see in the book is essentially eight main chapters in the appendices, but you see the lived experience of our contributors woven throughout. Yes. Well, and that's beautiful that 61 people were able mm -hmm. to have their their experiences mm -hmm. witnessed by you and by the reader. And what's really cool, and some people may see this as a limitation, but pursuant to this conversation today, I think it's a good thing. 37 of those 61 are professionals. Yeah. And a lot of why I had so many professionals come through is that's the circles I play in. It's, right. it's people who, who have. And so, you know, on one hand, the contributors might be seen as having a little more professional perspective on their lived experience, but any limitations I think are overridden by the fact how 37 professionals came forward to talk about their ex lived experience with dissociation in this field, as we already mentioned where there is so much stigma in talking about dissociation. Yes. I knew of one person who had shared that they were therapists living with DID, mm -hmm. which is Emma from System Speak. Oh, yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah, a friend. And I'm delighted uh, she was an yeah, endorser and she was, of the book. Yeah. 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 She was mentioned in the book. I was like, oh, I don't know mm -hmm. her, but I know of mm -hmm. her, her work. And you also, Susan Pease Bannett is someone I admire oh, so much. And yes. she's in there, too. Yeah, she's a contributor. Sue is is a friend who we connected 10 years ago. Our first books kind of came out around the same time. And I I just, she was somebody I did approach to see if she had an interest in being interviewed for it from both the personal and the professional lens, because she's somebody like me who's willing to speak to both. And yeah, I, I adore the voice she brought in. Yes. So reading, reading the stories that I got to so far and how far I've gotten mm -hmm. into the book, it was so it just it opened something for me. I was like, oh, yeah, like so I think that's what you know, when we talk about normalizing, that's like mm -hmm. the effect. It's like, oh, this person's a therapist. This mm -hmm. person's a therapist. This person's a mental health professional. This person's a psychologist and they have dissociative disorders. I think something that's really been percolating for me lately and it feels like it's bigger, like it's in the collective consciousness is like whose shame is it? Whose secret Ooh. is it? I love that as a question so much so I'm writing it down because <laughs> like if, have... if this happened, there's been abuse, there's been, you yes. know, harm. And why should I be ashamed of that? Yeah. And I and I think and I don't think I assert this is a reason there is such discomfort at a societal level talking about trauma and dissociation, because especially at this complex variety, because someone's responsible, yeah. whether it's a parent, whether it's a school system, whether it's a government, mm -hmm. someone is responsible. A and that's system. even more, you a know, different the, system. system. 
Yeah. And that's even more so with like the level of trauma that tends to create dissociative disorders. And I mentioned in the book, the example that so many of us as psychologists and mental health professionals know about is how Freud discounted the experience of a lot of his female patients when he realized that the people perpetrating against them were his powerful elite colleagues. I swear I never hear anybody talking about that. I swear. It's and so true. Quote, and to quote Kurt Ronson, Kurt Ron, Dr. Kurt Ronson is one of the contributors in the book. He was an early, he still is teaching EMDR therapy. He was an early EMDR therapy teacher along with Shapiro and her institute. And Kurt is somebody, he, he's unique to me because his kindness just rings through, even in a therapy community where it still feels like I'm globally not safe to be out about mm-hmm. Anyway, so I I wanted to talk to Kurt and something he said so powerful because we talked about Pierre Genet. Pierre Genet Mm -hmm. was the French psychiatrist who even coined the term dissociation as a psychological construct. Pierre Genet's consensus model of trauma treatment is is what's so known now and et cetera, et cetera. But what Kurt said, it, it really stuck with me. Genet believed his patients and Freud didn't. Boom. And you know, the more and more I've learned about Janae over the years, I'm I'm all about him as an early father We that I didn't really hear much about, if anything, in graduate school. I learned about all, him in some in sensory good. motor psychotherapy training. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, that's on case in point. Like, mm-hmm. it's usually not until we get to these more trauma-focused right. trainings that we hear about Janae, but it's all Freud, Freud, Freud. And Freud represents what the problem was. So Anyway, going back to your question, whose shame is it? One of my favorite quotes of all time is from the French Cuban author Anais Nin, a bisexual feminist, wrote primarily in the 1920s. She said, shame is the lie that someone told you about yourself. Shame is the lie that someone told you about yourself. I get chills every time I teach that, every time I say it, because talking about whose shame is it, it's what other people put on you. And because so much of the trauma that causes dissociation is stuff that happens in childhood, it's like you're being basically brainwashed that you're the problem and not, Mm -hmm. you know, whoever did whatever they did or that, you know, I think why it creates trauma is that, you know, developmentally children think that they're causing everything. So even if no one said that, no one said it wasn't right. Nobody (laughs) told you the opposite. So, Mm -hmm. oh, that's so powerful. And wow, she's so (laughs) the Freud thing. What I learned, and I'm no scholar of Freud by any means, but what I learned was that he did believe his patients and he told everybody these women who have, quote, hysteria, it's because they all were sexually abused in childhood or many of them or most of them. And he's he said it and then he got a major backlash and he goes, mm-hmm. oh, he backtracked. Yeah, he so backtracked. That's he believed it yeah. and covered it up. And then just for his own popularity. That's sick. Yeah. His own popularity, you know, perhaps his own protection. Yeah. You know, fear. Dissociated from it, you know, fear. There you so go. yeah, I think anytime we're we're speaking truth to systems, it's it's big work. Mm. So thank you for letting me on today to gosh do some of that. I know. I'm like asking myself right now, do you want to be a Pierre Janet or do you want to be a Sigmund Freud? And I know the answer. I love it. <laughs> no, I want to be a Dr. Jamie Barrett. Oh, you're too Jamie. kind. <laughs> 
Will you just, I know we have to end, but will you tell everyone where they can find all these amazing things you are doing? Yeah. So probably the the easiest, there, there's two sites you could go to where you can get a lot of stuff of mine for free. There's traumamadesimple.com because my first two books were actually EMDR Made Simple and Trauma Made Simple. So we created the site traumamadesimple.com. And that's really been a, a gathering space for interviews that I do, online videos that I do, articles that I write that people can access for free online. So traumamadesimple.com. We also have a, a book website that we've put together called redefinetherapy.com. And that's a hashtag that I use. So folks can start going there. If you're interested more in EMDR training, either with myself or people that I've mentored, institute for creative mindfulness.com is where I would send you. And then I also have just a general jamiemarriage.com where that's probably the best place to go if you want to see like all my books in one place. I have an Amazon page as well where you can do that. And my kind of global calendar of appearances is on jamiemarriage.com. Wonderful. Oh, thank you so much for sharing your time and your wisdom with us today. I'm so excited for everyone to hear what you offered. Thank you, Jamie. You're most welcome. Thank you to Therapy Notes for sponsoring this week's episode. I do love Therapy Notes. It's such an asset to my business and makes my job as a practice owner and a therapist much easier. Try it today with no strings attached and see why everyone is switching to Therapy Notes, now featuring ePrescribe. Use coupon code CHAT or click the link in the show notes to get two free months at therapynotes.com. Thank you to Leading Edge Seminars for sponsoring this week's episode. If you're ready to get away this winter, register now for Innovations in Psychotherapy Cancun 2023 and use promo code LAURA for 10% off any five-day workshop fee when you purchase with a room at leadingedgecancun.com. You'll earn CEs in the morning, then have afternoons for fun at an all-inclusive resort. Workshops by Frank Anderson, Ariel Schwartz, John Briere, and more. Register today for 10% off workshop fees when purchased with a room using code Laura at leadingedgecancun.com. Thank you for listening to Therapy Chat with your host, Laura Reagan, LCSWC. For more information, please visit therapychatpodcast.com. Try Therapy Notes, the number one rated electronic health record system available today. With live telephone support seven days a week, it's clear why Therapy Notes is rated 4.9 out of 5 stars on Trustpilot and has a 5-star rating on Google. Therapy Notes makes billing, scheduling, note-taking, and telehealth incredibly easy. And now for all you prescribers out there, Therapy Notes is proudly introducing ePrescribe. Try it today with no strings attached and see why everyone is switching to Therapy Notes, now featuring ePrescribe. You can get two months free by using promo code CHAT at therapynotes.com. Trauma Therapist Network is a website to learn about trauma and how it shows up in our lives and to find a trauma therapist. Go to traumatherapistnetwork.com to find a trauma therapist near you today.